Welcome to the Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. This is Reporter, the podcast that delves into the minds and lives of broadcast news reporters and anchors, delivering a behind-the-scenes look at their careers, their methods, their best practices, and some personal stories from the trenches of journalism. We talk to journalists who are in the business, out of the business, and in between. This episode of the Reporter Podcast is sponsored by Layer Origin Nutrition. Layer Origin is based in Ithaca, New York, upstate New York, a few minutes from Cornell University, which is where the company founders met when they were together in a lab as part of the food science department at Cornell. They decided to team up and try to innovate their way towards some solutions for the most common health problems. They were tired of seeing their relatives, and in some cases even themselves, have to turn to expensive and dangerous prescription drugs for problems like just high cholesterol, blood sugar issues, digestive problems, gut health, and more. So after three years of research and development, patents and trademarks, these scientists launched Layer Origin Nutrition in February 2020. Their newest product is called HMO Prebiotic Plus Probiotic, and it is the ultimate gut health product, combining 100 billion CFUs of probiotic with 1,000 milligrams of prebiotic. What's quite fascinating is that HMO stands for human milk oligosaccharide, which is a component of breast milk credited with building an infant's gut lining and immune system. Layer Origin has taken those benefits and brings them to adults with all of its HMO supplements. For more information on Layer Origin, go to www.layerorigin.com and reporter listeners can use the exclusive code 15reporter to save 15% off their order. That's L-A-Y-E-R-O-R-I-G-I-N.com and the code is 15RPRTR. And I should disclose that I am an investor in Layer Origin. Today we have an interview with Sarah Threadgill, who is based in Austin, Texas. Sarah is a co-host of the Anchors Away podcast, her own podcast that she anchors with uh, a friend of hers. She spent 15 years as a journalist and communications professional. Uh, She actually got her start as a newspaper reporter at the Colleen Daily Herald newspaper in Texas. And then her TV career began at KXXV in Waco, Texas, which was the ABC affiliate. She then moved on to Fox Austin. And after that was actually the press secretary for Congressman John Carter. Uh, Sarah also made her way back onto the news at one point as not as a host, but as a guest after she had a personal health scare. So I'm very excited for this interview. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Sarah Threadgill. Sarah Threadgill, thanks for um, being on the Reporter Podcast on this episode. Um, very happy to have you. And so are you, uh, we obviously know that you used to work in uh, Waco, you worked in Austin, Texas on air. And when did you sort of segue out of the news business? Yeah, so in 2012, uh, I had gotten married. And at the time, my husband was job hunting and got an offer in Houston. And my contract at at the uh, Fox affiliate in Austin had come up. And so it was kind of perfect timing. I didn't know if I was going to be out of the business for good at that point. Uh, But it was... um, it was a nice little break at that point. I'd been working weekends for five years. 
So, you, you know, it, it, it was a nice break to have a normal, I guess, normal life, so to speak, for a little bit. But um, so I've been out since 2012, but um, it's very much a part of who I am. And it's very much, uh, you know, I, I, if people ask me, you know, what do you do for a living? I still refer to myself as a journalist. Uh, you know, that's what I am. That's what I, that's who I am at my core. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it really gets, um, you know, it's in many ways, um, being a journalist is, is, is really character traits of, you know, curiosity and, um, research, you know, the ability to conduct research and wanting to research things, um, you know, interpersonal communications, things of that nature. So that's a good point. I mean, once you, just because you're not driving into a TV station every day and putting on a tie or, you know, a dress and going on air, doesn't mean that you're not, you know, carrying those same skills and, and traits with you. Um, so you had, yeah, uh, I guess anchored and reported, um, as I said, in Waco, in Austin. Um, how did you like living in Austin? I mean, I've only visited, but it's, it's, it's actually one of my favorite cities, like in the world. I've really loved it. Did you like it or, or no? I still live here. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm still, <laughs> we're still in Austin, uh, currently a little suburb outside of Austin, but no, it, it's the best city in the world. It really is. There's so much to do. Um, you know, especially outdoors, uh, maybe not when it's 112 in the middle of July, but uh, so much to do and, and so much art and culture in the city. And it's just such a vibrant, booming city. You know, we've just this week, I mean, news that Elon Musk moved here. Um, so you're seeing a lot more um, celebrities, industry, headquarters, Oracle just moved their headquarters here or will be soon. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the place to be right now. Yeah, I I just always loved it. I don't know. I mean, just something about it. I mean, I I like hot weather, so I appreciated it. And just like you said, the the outdoor activities. You know, like there's what's it called, Barton Springs or whatnot, mm -hmm. the outdoor springs. And you know, there's that bridge with the bats underneath it every night and all that. And it, I just loved it. I thought you know the UT Austin keeps it young. You know, you have this influx of young people, so it's always fresh. But you know, it's kind of a blue city in a red state, which is interesting. And you know, keep Austin weird, so it it's kind of has a funky flavor to it. And just a great place, great food. So very jealous of, uh, of your life there. You know, I, I, I enjoy Austin a lot, but, um, so you got, you got out of the industry in 2012 and let me ask you, I mean, do you ever miss it? You know, you said you still view yourself as a journalist. Do you ever have thoughts of, you know, taking an on-air job if, if a station were to reach out to you or, or how do you, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I miss it every day. I, it, you know, like I said, it, it becomes a part of you and who you are and your identity. And, uh, I, you know, I still very much have friends in the industry still. Uh, one of my girlfriends got out um, for a while. Her husband was in the military and then she got in, got back in a couple of years ago as a morning anchor in Huntsville, Alabama. And when she got back in, it really kind of spurred that inside of me. I'm like, oh man, I miss this. I miss the action. I miss knowing what's going on. Um, I miss the speed of it. Um, I even miss, you know, getting, getting yelled at, um, you know, <laughs> by random strangers for no reason. Yeah. Um, you know, so really kind of watching her get back into it um, has really spurred uh, a reinterest in me. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I've been doing PR uh, since 2012. I uh, actually was a press secretary for a United States congressman here in the Austin area. And um, so it was using that same skill set 
you know, that journalists have that curiosity, that research um, spokesperson kind of thing, and then, you know, translating that into the political realm. Um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I just got out to take care of my kiddos for a little bit. And um, no, I'm very much willing to get back into it. Um, it's something that I just, there's this pull, something's pulling me back to it. And, and that's one of the reasons I joined this podcast that I've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love the point you made about like knowing what's going on. It's so interesting, like having access to, you know, your news station, uh, news stations email is so like such a rush, you know, because I mean, it's, it's kind of a blessing and a curse because you're, you're attached to it and you're always checking it like 24 seven and feel obligated to call in if you, you know, know something or have a phone number to give the newsroom. But at the same time, you know, you're getting all these press releases from everywhere, you know, across the world and certainly locally from, you know, the town and, and the government. And, you know, you, you basically are privy to all of these things that, you know, as soon as you lose your access to that email address, you, you, you kind of fall off the map. And then you realize, like, I almost forgot before I left my last station, you know, how just how interesting that it was to be on that that email list of the newsroom, because once you're off of it, you know, you're you're kind of like the general public again, like you're going to the TV station news site to find out what's going on instead of, you know, having it in the palm of your hand, um, which, you know, is, is just kind of a, a fun feeling. And yeah, there's certainly that rush. I mean, I think all of us know that adrenaline rush of being in the business. And um, it's something that, you know, sitting in a cubicle or doing your traditional job is, is difficult to live up to or difficult to replace. Um, so that's certainly uh, an aspect of it. So I want to ask you, how did you get the position with the congressman in Austin? Um, you know, I mean, you don't have to go into incredible detail, but, you know, is it just posted on indeed.com or did you work a connection or how did that come about? Yeah, so I, um, so when we moved to Houston, I started working at a PR firm. It's a boutique PR firm and, and it was a great transition uh, into PR. But like you talked about that, that speed of it and that intensity was no longer there. And I was literally sitting at a desk, um, you know, taking all day to write, write one press release, which, you know, in news, it's like, let's go, let's write this quick. And, and so the speed of it, I realized was, um, was a big change for me. And I wasn't necessarily great with that speed. I needed something quicker and faster. And so at that point, I kind of started just looking around to see what I could find. And um, I checked on his website and they were hiring for, you know, their press secretary. And so I sent an email about 10 minutes later, I got an email back and they had remembered me from, you know, my time covering him in the Austin area. And um, they hadn't been able to find what they were looking for. And so I think it was kismet. It all just kind of worked out. Um, but, you know, they really, as a press secretary, they really wanted somebody that knew the media, that understood um, how to pitch, what to pitch, at what times to pitch, um, and, and, and to build relationships with the media. So that was a big part of what I did. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, and what a great opportunity, great thing on your resume, you know, just all of that. Um, very, very good position to have. Uh, it must have been pretty fascinating at, at certain moments as well. Um, yeah, I mean, that's such a skill, you know, that people don't realize. And it's it's something that like, it's hard to verbalize that or uh, articulate that on a resume, like what you just said, you know, of knowing when to pitch and how to pitch. But it's such a thing I've realized since I left the industry, even if I've worked for a couple different places, um, a school district and now two different startups. And, you know, it's such a thing. I mean, you can, you can engineer getting organizations onto the news if you know how to do it. And, you know, so you're not going to send a pitch email at 
you know, Saturday um, at 9 p.m., you know, that's that's a bad time, um, you know. Or four o'clock, you know, when everybody's scrambling for the show. Right, four o'clock, right, that's a horrible time. So, um, you know, these are things that when you're in the business, you know, and if you're not, you, you kind of don't, um, you can learn them, I guess. But um, yeah, so it's such a leg up um, in a situation like that. So what I want to ask you next is um, I noticed, you know, obviously I try to do a little bit of research before having people on and I saw there, there was a TV story uh, more recently from like 2014 uh, where you kind of ended up back on the news. Um, but as you know, not a host as a, as a guest, I guess, or the person being interviewed and it was about like a, a health issue or, you know, a personal issue. Um, and I was just curious, like, I mean, first of all, I hope, I hope you're okay. I hope everything's all right. Um, but secondly, you know, how did that come about? How did you end up on TV again, but this time, you know, on the other side of the camera? So that was actually, um, I had gotten my skin check, my yearly skin check, and I had a melanoma scare. Ended up not being melanoma, but I did have to get something cut off my back. And um, I had posted on my social media, you know, just reminding friends and family, go get your, go get your skin check, right? And a former coworker of mine at the station in Waco, who was doing sports at the time I was there and then left and came back and he was doing mornings. So uh, he saw my post and thought, you know, it's, it's May, it's Mel you know, melanoma awareness month. This could be a great story. So he asked if I would, um, you know, talk to him. And I said, well, it didn't end up being melanoma, but it's just the fact that reminding people, you know, go get checked. And so I went into the studio and did an interview with him. And it, again, getting back, just walking back into the studio um, and having that camera in front of you, it just really was, you know, a reminder of how much I love it. Um, so, you know, as, as I can see, I mean, you're, you're wading into sort of the new media, I guess I would call it waters now with the podcast and, you know, some of the things you're doing. Um, and that's something that towards the end of my tenure at the ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, I started to kind of get this itch of like, I was seeing so many people on YouTube, you know, like getting a lot of views and, you know, like sometimes it felt like a YouTube video would have more views than our nightly newscast, or, you know, there were people making 30 times as much money as I made as a reporter, just doing stuff on YouTube. And it was like, it felt a little bit cheap, you know, to kind of like, like I was like a sellout or something if I, if I left the news, but there was also part of me that just felt like it was kind of a new wave of media and, and, you know, there aren't that many people doing a successful news show necessarily on YouTube, but there are people doing all kinds of different, you know, things about just any topic in the world, you know, so many different things, I guess. So what I'm leading up to is, um, you know, what led you to decide to, to do this podcast anchors away uh, is the title of it for anyone who wants to check it out anchors away. Um, you know, you have a, a partner in crime or, you know, a partner in the podcast. Um, but you know, what led up to that? And, and what are your hopes and goals for it? Yeah, so uh, Robert and I had uh, met a few years ago, and he uh, was in the Waco market as well. Um, he's been in San Diego, so he's been in some of the bigger markets. But um, he, you know, ha had this podcast that he was doing, and uh, his partner at the time went back to work and just didn't really have the time, you know, to devote to it anymore. And uh, so I reached out to him, and uh, it ended up working out great. And it's kind of been something that um, has, you know, scratched that itch a little bit for me, but at the same time, it's also introducing me, like you said, to these new mediums and it's really making, um, really making my brain work because I see that there's a future, you know, in, in, in this as, um, 
with the podcasting, with YouTube, with the multimedia, I'm racking my brain trying to think how do I combine my skill set with, you know, this multimedia and, and maybe turn it into something, like you said, that could be productive and not necessarily tied to a TV news station. Um, you know, how can I uh, maybe restart my journalism career with this without necessarily, um, you know, going back to, um, you know, a TV station? I, I'm not against that, but, you know, there's there's something here, I feel like. There's, there's something moving forward in this medium, and I... Um, I would love to, <laughs> to figure out exactly what it is um, because I, I do think, especially now after COVID, um, things are going to be different in, in journalism. And um, I think if, you know, if somebody can have that foresight, I'm desperately trying to get it, but if somebody can have that foresight, they're going to be on the leading edge of kind of what's going to be changing in, in TV news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. It's kind of hard to put your finger on what exactly it's going to be or could be or is. Um, but you definitely get that sense that there's like, there's something there. There's something that is is out there that could, you know, really be the next big thing or, you know, just a way to harness these different capabilities now. And like you said, COVID is a big factor. I mean, you saw in March, whenever all these stations suddenly pivoted and had their anchors and reporters just at home, you know, in many cases with Zoom setups and, you know, webcams and whatnot and clip on microphones and like not, I mean, everything, the show went on, you know, the show goes on. And, you know, the fact that, that they were able to do that, ugh, I mean, it's kind of sad and scary in a way, but there's going to be some bean counters probably who are going to say, wait a minute, you know, why do we need seven photographers if we can just do Zoom interviews and why, you know, it's a little bit frightening. Um, but in some sense, you know, maybe it's just the, the evolution of the industry. And, you know, we do spend a lot of time getting in the car, packing up the camera, going to meet this person, shaking their hand, setting up the camera, white balancing, you know, yeah. before you know it, three hours are killed and you yeah. got to want, you know, you got a five second soundbite out of that person. And so, you know, hey, maybe there is some logic to the whole Zoom thing, but, um, you know, it probably has a time and a place. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it's great that you're, you know, embracing the the podcasting and, and you know, it seems like... Um, you know, I kind of first saw it from some people hate the Joe Rogan show. I'm kind of mixed on it, but I kind of first learned about it there of, you know, kind of this, like, I don't know what the word for it is like the simulcasting of, you know, people who, uh, you know, put their, like do a video version of the podcast and put mm -hmm. it on YouTube and, you know, it gets a lot of listens there. A lot of people just play YouTube, but they're only listening to it. And I think there's something there too. You know, it's like hard to put your finger on, on that, but, uh, there's a lot of potential out there. Yeah, there is. And maybe, I don't know, maybe you or I will figure it out and let everyone else know. But yeah, I mean, we've seen TV news evolve. I mean, when I was uh, at Fox 7 back in, you know, 2010 to 2012, um, you know, I had a photographer that went with me every day and everywhere I went. And um, now most reporters are shooting their own stuff. And uh, so you're seeing already, like you said, that penny pinching may be happening or just the realization that we don't need everybody on board to, you know, get the job done. And so, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where this, where this all leads. Yeah. I have such mixed feelings about that whole situation. I mean, part of me is like more of a traditionalist who's like, you know, you need the the team of a photographer and reporter because, it you know allows the reporter to actually think about what they're doing and focus on like connecting with the person they're about to interview instead of like juggling the camera and dropping things and struggling to open the door and, and sometimes was, running um running what is it 
So, you know, there's been times when you're trying to interview and somebody comes up and the photographer can kind of interference, trying to run oh, interference, yeah. you know, like it, it, you're, you are a team. And I, yeah, I've wondered, I've often wondered what that would be like to kind of just be out there solo. Yeah. I mean, two heads are better than one, you know, the classic saying, and like, it's really true. I mean, you just bouncing ideas off of that other person and getting their feedback and, you know, they're kind of like a mirror for you of, you know, what you're doing and how you're acting and, you know, the questions you're asking and it's just great feedback. And, you know, it sucks to not have that, but, you know, I'm, I'm partially a traditionalist and I really like, you know, some of the, the old school things about news. And then there's also a part of me that loves like innovation and disruption. And I'm like, ah, screw it, you know, whatever, you know, it's just going to go the way of the market and whatever, however it goes, it goes. But um, I'm kind of mixed there. You know, I, I, I do miss some of the, you know, I, I do believe in some of the, you know, like the, the, the in-depth storytelling and long form reporting and, and that's just being dismantled um, so much, unfortunately, but um you know, hey, it's good to uh, delve into some of these new things as well. Um, do you do you um, do you worry at all? Like, if you did take a job in TV news, that a station might try to say that you can't do the podcast. Is that something that you'd you know be okay like giving up? You know, because sometimes stations are a little bit tough with stuff like that. You know, doing mm -hmm, outside mm -hmm. things. It just depends on I think who your management is. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, this is not a, a high paying gig, gig for me. This is this is more something I just really enjoy doing. And, uh, you know, if I had to give it up, I unfortunately probably, you know, would. But it's it's something that, um, you know, I didn't realize was was available to me. And I should have maybe been doing this years ago. And so um, I encourage anybody, you know, that's uh, maybe at a crossing path in their career that just doesn't really know what to do or maybe somebody like me that took some time off to be with kiddos you know it's you just kind of have to put yourself back out there and um i didn't know anything about podcasting uh but i've i've really enjoyed it and it's opened my eyes to a whole new world um so you you know left um the news industry um to pursue the other career options in 2012 you said um things have changed a lot since then um in many ways which you alluded to earlier but you know, not only like the equipment, you know, um, there's people now like shooting a lot of stuff on an iPhone, you know, and, and, you know, stuff like that, but, uh, both equipment wise in terms of the ability to just go live, you know, from the palm of your hand now to also kind of like, you know, basically we're now like, you know, two presidencies later, essentially like the end of, um, Obama number two presidency, you know, his second presidency, and then, uh, the Trump number one president, you know, his first ad administration, um, What's your take on, you know, basically how journalists should handle, and I ask a number of people this, but, you know, how journalists should handle the whole, like, fake news uh, term, you know, because I know I covered a number of, like, Donald Trump rallies where, you know, he would say, hey, turn around, look at all those people in the back, you know, they're the enemy. And it was very awkward. You know, you're kind of standing there like, do I smile? Do I have a stone <laughs> face? You know, do I say, no, you're lying, you know, which you can't really do. It's kind of against, mm -hmm. um, but you know, and then it was weird. You would talk to people and you'd be like, wait, do you really like think we're the enemy? And they'd be like, no, no, no. I just mean those like cable news people, you know, you're okay. You're fine. You're local. But it's like, you know, you're, you're always being bunched into the media. Um, and so you've been kind of, you know, sort of on the sidelines in a way, what, what's your take on, you know, how as journalists and local news people, you know, we should handle the, you know, basically the leader of the free world saying like, ah, you know, everyone, you know, news is fake and it's bullshit. Yeah, you know, I cannot even imagine what it's like to be a journalist right now. Um, you know, speaking with my friends who are still in the industry, um, it's been tough. It's been really 
really tough. And I'll tell you, when I worked at Fox 7, it's, um, you know, Fox O&O, it's owned and operated by um, Big Fox. And so, you know, on our mics, on our mic stick, the flag, you know, two sides were Fox 7, flip it around, two sides were Fox News. So, you know, this was during, um, you know, kind of uh, Obama era. And I remember, I remember being out and about, not even, you know, paying attention. And then somebody would see that Fox News, you know, mic flag and immediately, you know, you know, how, how dare you be at our event or don't cover this or whatever. And so I got to experience a tidbit of that, um, you know, having worked for a Fox affiliate, but I just cannot imagine right now what it's like. And it's, it's gotta be frustrating because, um, it, and, it, and it's unfortunate because I do feel in a way that some of the, um, you know, national, media shows have really done this to local media because, um, you know, I, I do think people are out there that, that believe that there are hundreds, if not thousands of local news journalists across the country who are together in some pack to be, you know, uh, fake news or, um, you know, lying to the general public. And, and they're, Actually, people, I think, that believe that. And it's, it's, it's got to be hard for local news because I think of anything, local news journalists are the truth tellers um, and are the real deal and are the ones, you know, making $18,000 in their first job. Do you think that they're going to work for that to, you know, spread lies? Like, it, it, it's just such a, such a tough time, I think, to be a journalist. And again, that almost makes me want to get back into it because I feel like I owe it to my fellow journalists. Like, okay, let's do this. Let's get back in this fight together. Um, you know, I'm with you. I support you. Uh, I, I cannot imagine what it's like. And I just, uh, I feel for them because I've heard the stories. It's tough right now. Yeah, absolutely. I've had that same sentiment in some ways too. Like, man, I need to get back into it because you know, it's like what I started off doing and, you know, you kind of want to show your support and just be a part of the solution, not the, you know, sort of, the sort of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, it's such a weird environment too, that, you know, it, it's, it's complex in, in the sense that like, you know, there was that like clip a couple of years ago of like all those um, anchors across the country at Sinclair stations who were all like reading the same thing mm -hmm. at the same time. And it didn't look good. I mean, if you were naive or didn't understand the business, you'd be like, oh my God, they are, they all are, you know, being fed this corporate line. And, you know, the reality of that situation was basically, you know, if you're in the, in the business, you know, that there's like wire copy and, you know, mm -hmm. things that come over the wires or, you know, they'll send out like a CNN news source, like, you know, um, sample copy. And basically if a producer is lazy, they can just copy and paste it, you know, or they're really supposed to get a little creative and tweak it, you know, tweak the script, put it in your own voice, that sort of thing. And apparently all over the country, you know, you had some like probably very tired morning producers who were just copying and pasting, you know, and so all these anchors were reading the exact same thing. And this has happened multiple times. I mean, Conan O'Brien on his show also edited together a clip of everyone saying the same thing. I remember one, it was like, like is what was it it was like is there such thing as an email overlord and like all these anchors were saying that same line all over the country yeah and it's like it's not the anchor's fault really because they don't really you know they're just kind of reading what's given to them and it's just a mess but um unfortunately it doesn't look good and in this day and age you know there's people who are very apt to believing in conspiracy theories you know mm -hmm. and my first experience with that was working in connecticut as a reporter in 2012 and you know covering the sandy hook 
shooting killings, mm. awful, hardest story of my life to cover. And, you know, weeks later, there's a YouTube video, 30 minutes long saying, oh, it was all staged. It was all set up. It was all actors. And I was, it made me so angry. You know, I was like crying in my house sometimes coming home from a 15 hour shift, you know, 45 minutes away from my house and, you know, working so hard and meeting these families and these people and, you know, and then to have someone go, oh, it's all fake. It's all actors. And it was like, no, I was there, you know? Yeah. And, um, and that was my first experience. And it's only gotten worse since then, you know, in terms of all of the conspiracy theories. And I mean, look, I'm, I'm an open thinker. I mean, if you present solid evidence to me, you know, I'm willing to consider a lot of different things. And, you know, I think journalists should be that way actually. And, you know, we're, we're curious, we're open-minded. Um, and so, you know, I'm not someone who thinks the word, you know, the term conspiracy theory is necessarily a bad term. I mean, it's, it's a theory. It's a theory of a conspiracy. But the problem is like utterly bogus, non-evidence-based conspiracy theories, you know, at least in my opinion. And, and they're dangerous, you know, but there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot of viewers out there who uh, believe that stuff. And it's, it's, it's difficult of, of how do you, you know, how you handle that of, of your, you know, you're going to interview somebody and they bring stuff like that up. So, um yeah. So which, what are your uh, goals, would you say, for 2021, you know, in terms of, you know, career wise or personal development, any goals that you've thought about or, you know, maybe you haven't written them down yet or thought about them, but just, you know, that come to mind? Well, I mean, first goal would be to go sit at a restaurant and eat <laughs> like a normal person again. I'm so ready for COVID to be over, um, you know, professionally. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's about growing and uh, pushing myself and, and pushing, um, you know, I think that's a big part of how you grow is kind of uh, pushing yourself out of your, your comfort zone. And, um, you know, when I got into TV, I didn't know anything about the business. I, I remember, you know, getting, getting in that first week or something and, and them asking me to write a VOSOT. I had no clue what a VOSOT was. <laughs> I was, but you know, I didn't want to ask. I was like, I don't want to look like an idiot. So, um, you know, it's really, it's about pushing yourself to, to learn and to grow. And so I'm hoping, um, you know, in some form I can take, uh, you know, my, my broadcasting experience, my PR experience, and, and find something um, that I can really hone in on. Because I, like we talked about, I feel like there's something there. I just got to boil it down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. And yeah, we're all ready for COVID to be over. That's for sure. And hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, and uh, yeah, I had that same experience at my first TV station where they said do a VOSOT. And I was like, what? What is that? You know, because most basically because at Penn State, we had called it a V, they called it a VSV for whatever reason, like video sound video. And so that was like the nomenclature I knew. And so Vosad, I was kind of like, I think you mean this, but I'm not sure. But, you know, that's what those first markets are for, for like embarrassing yourself and learning and, you know, getting out all the mistakes. And it's, I guess it's kind of a shame for the people who live there because they're, they're uh, the, at the mercy of your, you know, young journalism. But, uh, but you also get some very talented people coming through and, you know, people who are working really hard to, uh, to prove themselves. So yeah. And um, my first market was my hometown, Waco. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so all of my friends and family got to see, wow. you know, I remember my first live shot, uh, my voice was shaking and, you know, I'm holding my paper and trying to hold it down where you couldn't see it on camera, but it was shaking and, you know, just the nerves of it all. It was, it was terrifying in a good way though. And I, I, I think as a journalist, um, especially, you know, TV news is, is that's part of the rush is like, you're terrified, but you do it. And, um, it, it just makes it, it makes it a very fun career. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, there's, there's, you know, nothing like it that I know of that's, uh, that's quite like it. And, um, you know, the amount of, of, especially if you're a field reporter, the amount of like hard work that goes into it and just like brain power of finding solutions, you know, in a short period of time. And then the pressure of, uh, setting up interviews in, in less than like four hours, filming them, editing an entire package, you know, for the 10 or 11 o'clock news. I mean, it's just, it's, it's quite a rush and uh, quite, quite stressful sometimes, but uh, you know, good, good kind of stress and a very exciting, very, you know, it's an exciting career. I mean, you have something very tangible at the end of every shift, whether you're an mm -hmm. anchor or a reporter, you have something to show for that you did that day, you know, and I've realized in some other careers now, you don't really have that, you know, you kind of finish the day and you're like, what did I do today? <laughs> what did yeah. I get done? What have I accomplished? And, you know, maybe you send a few emails, but um, but that was one thing I loved about reporting and anchoring is that like you left your shift and you could like literally email someone your story. Like you mm -hmm. had something to show for and, um, you know, you reset every day. You, you pretty much reset every day unless you're like a long form, you know, investigative journalist. You're pretty much like you have a short term memory. Like even if I screwed up really badly one night, I would think, OK, tomorrow I have to like have a brand new outlook. Just go back and do my best and forget about the mistake. And mm -hmm. um it's, de it's definitely an interesting career. I mean, one thing about it was that I always tell people is like, I always wished time would actually slow down because I'd be like yes. sitting in a news van and be like, oh my God, we have, you know, 20 minutes to get this on air. And I, I, you know, you, you wished time would slow down so you could make deadline. And I feel like any career where, you, where, you know, during your eight hour shift, you wish time would slow down is a good thing because that means it's going fast and, you know, you're probably enjoying it and you're having fun and, and, um, you know, I think a lot of other careers, people are clock watching during the day at the office thinking like, oh, my God, I wish five o'clock would get here so I can freaking leave. Um, but with TV, I never felt I never felt that way. It was the opposite. I always thought, oh, my God, I wish I had like two more hours so I could, you know, spend more time logging this interview or, you know, conducting this interview or whatever. So definitely yeah, an interesting uh, so. career. So uh, any advice you would give to uh, young journalists or up and coming journalists who are, you know, in their early to mid twenties coming up in this industry and, you know, wondering whether they should stick in it, stick with it, or, you know, any tips? Uh, I know that's kind of an on the spot question, but, um, you know, anything that, that maybe comes to mind for you? Yeah, I mean, so I've uh, in the past, <clears throat> excuse me, I've gone to um, Baylor University. I have a professor. I did not attend Baylor University, but I had a professor that um, uh, in college who now uh, teaches there. And so she's had me come and speak to her journalism classes. And and um, it's, I just look at them all sitting there and they're so like doe eyed and they're so interested and they want to know. And um I'm pretty forward when I speak to some some of the younger um, you know generations that are looking to get into the business because I want people to understand um, this is not the glitz and glam of it. TV news is hard work. You're getting paid very little. You're working you know 50, 60 hour weeks. Like you said, you're under a deadline, which. I, you know most people probably wouldn't be able to to function knowing that you know you've got this amount of time to do this much work. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough job to get into, um, to get used to, to uh, get your feet wet. And so you kind of really just have to, um, have that, uh, that true drive. If you're going to do it, don't, don't get into it thinking it's just, Oh, I'm going to be on TV and that's cool because that's not what it is at all. And so I was very forthcoming, I guess, with these students about that mid career, I would just say, um, you know, keep, keep putting up the, the fight. And um, 
I, you know, I, I, I felt validated when I left Waco and was able to get into a bigger market like Austin, um, that, you know, I, the work I'd been doing and, and all that was, was worth it. I was in a bigger market. And so, um, you know, just keep pushing, just keep pushing and, and, um, really open yourself to the new mediums out there. I remember when, you know, we had a consultant come in and, and tell us about this new thing called Twitter <laughs> and thinking, you know, okay, well, I guess I'll get a Twitter handle. I don't know that I'll use it. And, um, you know, just look at how that's changed journalism. Uh, so really just being open to kind of new things coming your way. And so I, you know, I'm still there and I, I know if I got back into it, I'd have a lot to learn at this point. It's always evolving and always changing. And it's a great industry if you are into that. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. And, uh, you know, these new social media platforms, it's pretty crazy. They, they, they start off a little slow and then they grow really fast and it can, it can really transform either your reporting or your visibility these days. I mean, there's a, uh, weather, you know, meteorologist down in, uh, North Carolina who, you know, has a million followers now because he basically dances to hip hop music in between commercials and put it on Instagram and it just went viral and viral and viral and viral and, you know, for better or worse. So, you know, that's kind of his shtick now. And, you know, he does like little sponsorships on his Instagram with a million followers. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It changes your life in a way because now you're just have this incredible visibility and uh, not that that's like, you know, the end all be all success story of journalism, but, you know, it's just a new, a new thing that's happening and it is what it is. You know, there's people obviously doing the same thing on TikTok now, which, you know, most people had never heard of two years ago and now it's, you know, an everyday term and, yeah. um, you know, always a new app coming out and it's, it's interesting. So um, I did see something you shared on your Instagram and um, page and uh, LinkedIn, which was about, you know, kind of someone you kind of reposted a person who, you know, talked about the different skills that journalists have and how people should hire former journalists because they have so many skills. And I do think sometimes it's difficult for us to kind of articulate or put that on a resume, like all of those skills, but there are a lot of them. And um, I do think it's great advice. So people should check that out. So um, any listeners of my podcast reporter who want to find you online, you know, where are the places they should go to catch up with you online? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a uh, game for networking on LinkedIn, and it's just my name, Sarah Threadgill. And uh, as far as Instagram goes, it's Sarah Threadgill News. And then I'm on Facebook as well and uh, haven't been able to figure out how to change it. So it's Sarah Threadgill Media because Facebook won't let me change it to Sarah Threadgill News. And uh, the media is something I, you know, started a couple of years ago. So I just kept with that. But um, yeah, reach out to me, I, you know, because it's, it's such a business where it's such a small world too. And I don't think you realize that until, um, you know, you're in it for a few years and cause you, you really, you're, you know, when you first start out, it's your little bubble of your market and, and, um, then you get out and you realize, okay, well, this person knows this person or this person worked with that person. And, um, you know, I, one other last little tip I would give people is don't compare yourselves too. Um, you know, you might be a, a, an anchor in a, you know, 180 market and you have a friend that's a national correspondent for seeing it. And it doesn't mean that necessarily you're not as good of a journalist. It's just different paths. And, and we all have different paths and what we want to do and, and kind of where this job takes us. And so I would say, don't compare, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. And I really feel like TV news, especially is as a family in a sense, because it is such a small world. And, um, you know, right now journalists really need to pull together and, and support each other. 
Yeah, great stuff, great advice. And people who want to check out your podcast, it's called Anchors Away, and they can find it on what, like Apple Podcasts and Anchor anywhere, FM. Anywhere, yes, anywhere much you everywhere. listen, anywhere you listen, Spotify. It's on. It's on all the the podcast mediums, I guess. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely encourage people to uh, check that out. And um, you know, thanks again for uh, coming on Reporter Podcast. And uh, great to hear a lot of the insight about your career and your path. And uh, Certainly wish you the best in uh, hopefully a COVID-free 2021. You too. And thanks for having me, Bo. It's fun. You're welcome. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.